0: Welcome to the Gig Money Podcast. We talk with musicians about the side hustles that they use to fund their musical ambitions. I am Cody. And I'm Andrew. I'm Anthony. Hello. And yeah, today we have Anthony Corso on. He is the guitar player for Sweet Clarity. Um, Excellent, excellent band. Definitely check it out. We'll post some links um, so that you guys can check out some music. But most recently... You went on tour as a filling guitarist. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
1: I did, yeah. So uh, I filled in on guitar for a band called Limberlost. Uh, they're local to me in the Tacoma, Seattle area over here in Washington. And we went on tour as direct support for Ingve Malmsteen uh, over nice. in Europe. We did uh, a week in Ireland and England and then another week in Italy. And then I just got back a couple days ago. Just, just finally just beat that jet lag. Um living the dream. Living the dream, man. That was uh that was man, that was an experience and a half. I mean, you know, obviously Europe is freaking awesome. And I've I'd never been, so you know, I was experiencing all the food and and the beer and the and the, the Irish Guinness just gets its own category because it was so much better.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm talking like I know. I don't know. But I can oh, yeah, yeah, it's it was, awesome. awesome. As a lover of Guinness. Mm getting it from the source that much better. yes
1: they have a thing actually <laughs> where when you fly into the dublin airport like that is known for being like the best of the best like the top top tier of the guinness stuff just because that's like when you know when everyone gets off you get off a what 10 hour flight or something the first thing you want is a good old point to guinness and they have like the best so yeah it's it's so it you awesome. get
0: off the plane and you're walking off the plane they just hand you a beer
2: women oh yeah well if only (laughs) that
1: would would be awesome no but the bar yeah
2: so Um, it reminds me of a joke you know it was like uh, i hear that the population of ireland the 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 capital city in ireland was like growing exponentially some would say it's dublin (laughs) oh no
0: oh Oh, no We didn't prime Anthony for the dad jokes, so... Yeah, I wasn't ready. Hitting it hard already. I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> Less than five minutes in, we're hitting it hard. Good job, Andrew. That is why we um, pay him the big bucks. It's why I'm here.
2: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so uh, that was uh, your first time overseas, uh, right? So how was that experience?
1: It was awesome, man. Um, I have to be careful what I say because um, I don't want to go on and slander people that shouldn't be slandered. But, like, I kind of have to separate the 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 band and the the music side from, from the actual just Europe itself. Europe itself is freaking awesome. You know, all the people there are super friendly. Um, you know, we had some time to go and see, like, uh, the Roman Coliseum, you know, on, on one of our days off. And, uh, you know, we drove across the entirety of France, so we got to see all that, you know, on the way through and take a couple ferries from... Ireland to England and from England to France and all that stuff. That was really, really interesting. Um, but like, man, when it came to the shows, it was super weird because Malmsteen is extremely particular about everything. And like, it was really, really difficult for us as the opening band, because it, like when, when Malmsteen gets to the venue for Soundcheck, we have to get the hell out. Like leave, leave the venue, get out, can't be inside. Um, don't, you know, like when you are inside, don't touch his gear. Don't, uh, you know, if you see Malmsteen walking around, don't talk to him. Don't look at him. Don't get in his way, you know, like this crazy stuff. And so you basically like walk on the eggshells everywhere you go. And, and <laughs> there were a couple times when we knew, uh, we were staying in the same hotel as Malmsteen and his band and we were just ready for like one day, we're just standing at the elevator and the doors open and then he's just there you know and it's like what the hell do we do now just like you know back away or something it never happened so i don't know what we would have done uh but you know it's really weird he he has like four hour sound checks where he just none of us know what he does because we're out of the venue and so like there are times when he gets there late and he's you know his sound check runs long and all of a sudden there's doors And we haven't even gotten to load our stuff up on stage yet, you know. And so there's literally a thousand people like hauling ass into this venue and like they're on the guardrails and they're ready. And then there's us like setting up gear and doing sound check, And it's super awkward because they're all just standing there watching us, you know, checking monitors. You know, you're doing this for five minutes, waiting for the guy to get to you. You you know how it goes, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it was kind of stressful a little bit because, you know, you get like 30 minutes to set up, sound check, monitor check. And then you got to go when your time comes, no matter what, because you only get like 40 minutes or whatever. So it was it definitely test tested us as far as like how, you know, how as a band can you just kind of go with the flow when the flow is trying to literally destroy
0: you? You know, <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like. <laughs> that's an excellent way to put it.
1: <laughs> yeah but but it was great man like i I have just a ton of stories really cool stuff and i you know i wouldn't trade any of it uh for anything really because you know you know that if you can handle that you can handle anything and so you know it just kind of boosts your confidence as far as like yeah you know just roll with it because what could possibly be worse than what i've been through you know before so
0: yeah definitely definitely the truth um mm-hmm. and I, I can only imagine. I haven't been uh, overseas uh, for any shows, but you know, I can definitely think about how awesome that is, especially if you have time to explore. And you know, I've heard a lot of different stories from different bands about how cool that is and how much of a kind of eye-opening experience it is to be in a completely different country playing a show and you just have that culture shock immediately with, you know, things that you weren't even expecting so
1: for sure yeah i mean the, i think the biggest thing obviously is the language you know when we went into france and italy they just they don't they don't really speak the language i mean they do but um our drummer our drummer his name is mike he had this really bad habit of just not even bothering to learn a single word of either language and <laughs> and the rest of us you know we learn you know when you're in italy for a week you learn you know, tu you know do you speak english and you know you learn to say these small phrases. And so you kind of lead with things like that. Our drummer would just walk up and he'd just go English. And they would just kind of like, yes, I speak English. What do you, you know? And and then they do it. It's <laughs> like, I'm American speak English. You know, right. that
2: was, <laughs> so it's that was just like
1: funny. Walk up you to, walk up person to somebody and a person and be
2: restaurant. like, spaghetti, spaghetti, fettuccine, yeah. Alfredo.
1: <laughs> do you have no, we hamburger? Were trying to <laughs> at ourselves people, not immediately destroy them with stereotypes. Like,
0: <laughs> suddenly, if you start speaking louder, that makes it easier for them to understand a different language. Like, do you, you have just do hamburger? This.
2: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You, you got to talk like this. Huh?
1: Honestly, like <laughs> yes. we learned um, when you if you do say some English words with an Italian accent, almost as if you were making fun of it, they understood it. Like I was trying to order uh, a pizza. Cause obviously you got to get the pizza in Italy. And I walked into this little, little mom and pop shop. And uh, the, there's just one single lady working in there. And I asked, you know, do you speak English? She says, no. And so I was like, uh, and I went, because I was, you know, what do you recommend? And she goes, oh, and she pointed. And I said, see, sí, and then she measured the thing out and gave it to me. But It's like if you just like say words or even speak English with that, like that accent with, you know, they kind of understand they're almost, almost the same, but not really. It was, it was really interesting how that worked.
2: So whenever you introduced yourself, you're like, it's a me, Anthony. (laughs) Honestly, I almost did that. I almost got that far. (laughs) It's a me, Luigi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: man. Yeah, you get kicked out. Hmm they probably or just laugh, part of to be the honest. family. <laughs> yeah, they're
1: yeah. pretty chill over there. They'd be like, oh, yes, Mario, yes, yeah, see and they,
0: you know. <laughs> I get it. It'd be all good. Ah, all right. Well, let, uh, let's let talk about um, some of your side hustles. You know, you, you went on tour over in Europe, and, you know, you had to pay those bills somehow. Um, so mm-hmm. what are you doing these days?
1: I mean, the most obvious thing is a uh, day job. I have a day job because it is nice to, you know, be able to afford the house that I'm in and the food and all that other stuff. Kind of essential. Um, so I, I guess it was like before I really knew that music was the thing I wanted to do. I had been going to school. I got my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering and oh, later nice. got my master's in the same. So I'm a little set up to, you know, kind of like, have a one of those actual de- like you know office Careers. job career things you know whatever that is these days um so i i work as a mechanical engineer for the navy and i do one of those things where if i tell you what i do specifically i have to kill you you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> i know how um, to
0: confirm nor deny
2: right yeah, yeah. I, I have the whatever. same problem
0: nice <laughs> <laughs> yes yes andrew's got one of those uh jobs as well so
2: cool yeah. nice makes you sound cool. Yes, it yeah. <laughs> it's like, what can you tell me? Nothing. Yep. <laughs> well, what do you do for your job?
0: Confidential. Cool stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Spy stuff. That's all. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't you see believe this watch? it if I
0: told you. And mm-hmm. if I did, I'd kill you. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, this watch is actually a bomb. Don't ask me how I replace <laughs> my hand every time, but it is. <laughs> Just
0: mechanical hand. <laughs>
2: yeah. That's it. It's my mechanical hand. Easy money. So is that what yeah. you do?
0: You, your mechanical engineering, Andrew's replacement hands.
1: <laughs> yeah, why, why not, man? Just you know, let me know when you need the hookup.
0: I got you.
2: <laughs> yeah, sweet, sweet. If I could get some more dexterity for my yeah. playing, that would be nice. Just
0: neither confirm nor deny that.
2: Yes. Oh yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, right.
0: <clears throat> <clears throat> but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool, especially because you had to uh, you know go to school and get those very very difficult certifications and degrees for that. So, you know, uh, um I know a lot of the stereotype of a musician is somebody who drops out of high school is just kind of a deadbeat and pizza we're delivery to flip driver. That. Yeah. That reminds me of uh of a joke. So, what do you do if a drummer knocks on your door? You pay him for the pizza and send him on his way.
1: Oh. God. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
2: And then he plays the drums on the way out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs>
0: yes, but you are on the opposite end of that spectrum. You are accomplished. You have you know a well-paying job and schooling and a full background in that. And music is your passion. And I feel like a lot of the case, a lot of the times, you know, that's more the case is, is somebody is like pursuing music and then you know doing something else that they are really interested in to kind of facilitate that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what we're doing here is making that known to everybody. Everybody thinks that musicians get paid wild, wild amounts of money and that is not the case.
1: No way. Yeah. It's interesting. The, the grass is always greener. You know what I mean? Like, um, everybody's got their their problems and the things that they're trying to fight you know the the guy who just delivers pizza probably struggles to make you know a, a nice amount of money to live comfortably or, or but i'm on the other side of that where i you know make enough to live comfortably but because i have one of them corporate jobs uh, when i tell them like hey i'm about to take off for two months see ya they're like no can't do that you know so my struggle is can I get the time off or you know how do I get the time off to to do this thing so you know it's yeah you kind of got to choose one way or the other you know what I mean and uh I'm currently kind of I don't want to say trying to transition out but I'm trying to find a different gig in the same field that is remote or something like that you know so you have the uh uh, the flexibility to to go on the road, you know, if you want to piss off for two months and just go, just go be a nomad somewhere you can, you know, yeah. and surprisingly, everybody else wants to do the same thing. So, you know, you apply for these remote gigs and there's 500, 600 other applicants and they've all got doctorates and they've been, you know, in the field for 20 years and this stuff. It's like, all right, well, that's not going to work, you know, <laughs> and even you know, with some of the interviews that I have had, uh, like I had one a couple days ago and, you know, you have to bring this stuff up early. And so, you know, I'm interviewing with HR and I'm like, Hey, so uh, kind of a weird stipulation, but twice a year, I'm going to need a month off to go, you know, to go travel and do personal things. Like, can I do that? And they're like, Oh no. And then, <laughs> and then I never hear back, you know? yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, we all have our, our struggles and the things we're trying to, 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 uh, you know, get better at. And that's, that's currently what I fight with mine. So.
0: Yeah, that makes a, makes a whole lot of sense, especially, I don't know, in a field like that, it's not something that I'm super familiar with, but a lot of jobs are going remote these days just because that's what people want. People want to work remotely. Most people want to work from home, but you know, remotely can mean you're working from anywhere. And if you can do it, And if you can fulfill the obligations of your job on the road, then why not? Because if you're working at a pizza place and you say, hey, I got to go on the road, they just, you quit essentially. And then you get back on when you come back. But, you know, there's a lot of those kind of disposable jobs that a lot of musicians are working. Um, So. But I'm curious about uh, some of that's your main gig. I'm curious about your your side hustles, your your other, you know, things that you do to kind of make money so that you can do those tours and support the music habit and all that.
1: Right. Yeah. Um, And my side hustle is kind of double for two things. Number one, it's, you know, kind of supplementing my income to do these music things because they cost a lot. But the other one is like maybe one of them takes off and I can just straight up quit that corporate job and you know, so it's one of those things, but I, I have like, like three different ones that I do based on, you know, kind of whatever comes my way. The first one is you can see, I run a recording studio, uh, here in town. Uh, I'm currently in my control room. And then, uh, the house that I bought, I converted the garage, which is just on the other side of this wall, uh, into a, a big giant, um, live room, you know, tracking room. Um, because uh, one of the the big things that I found was like musicians, when you when you want to record musicians, you know, you hit them up and you tell them, hey, come to my studio, I will record you is everybody tells them that. And, you know, the guy who says, you know, hey, come to my studio, it's got like one room and, you know, it's <laughs> it's small, you know, it's like it's a bedroom thing. And there's nothing wrong with the bedroom thing at all. But you know if you want to entice a bunch of musicians that are just drawn to the shiny objects all over the place you got to give them some shiny objects man and so it's like i've got this room and this room and all these mics and look at these pianos and you know all that stuff um and so that was kind of the driving force behind like yeah just you know got to expand and stuff cuz if i want to you know get quality clients in here i i got to give them you got to give them the quality stuff um And so, so yeah, that's, that's one of the things I've been doing lately. Actually, one of the bands I did literally just dropped uh, a single, but yeah, so that's, that's been super fun. And, you know, it's also kind of helped a lot for when my own bands are doing things because now I have the ability to, to self-produce a lot of the stuff that we do, which cuts quite a number or like cuts costs quite a bit as far as, you know, like I don't have to pay for studio time to track and just do it here. Um, we I still, you know, send my stuff out to be mixed and mastered. I don't like to do that myself. Um, you know, get some outside perspective. You, you know how it goes, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just the tracking, if you need to spend a week on drums, instead of paying, you know, seven hundred dollars a day for a big nice studio, just do it here. Take all the time you need. Don't feel that, you know, time pressure and and get it right, you know. So that's doubles is a nice budget cut as far as you know when we produce our own stuff
0: yeah yeah excellent i think a lot of uh self recording is happening more and more these days and you know i do it <laughs> as well so um and it helps having the education and knowledge there especially when it comes to um just having other people in your area or even in your reach that uh, have been doing it for a long time and you know, if you have questions, if you're trying to figure something out, it's super, super helpful to have that community. And I think it's growing a lot these days. So I think that's, that's really, really cool. And it's hard to find a good spot to record live drums. So, you know, to be able to offer a more cost-effective solution to bands, especially when there's so much stress that goes into, like, being in the studio and recording and knowing that you're, you know, doing an hourly, (laughs) you got to get this done or else it's going to be a huge bill. You know, you, you want to knock it out and that's pressure. That doesn't always add to the recording process. Sometimes it detracts from it quite a lot and just kind of depends on the musician. Some people thrive in that situation. A lot of people don't. So no, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, do you, do you have a name for your studios? Uh, it's called pepper
1: mill studios. Uh, yes. cause what, when I, you know, the house I grew up on, it was pepper mill, uh, place. So just kind of caught the name and, and rolled with it. Tell um, me. actually you did the, you did the, the, the logo for it. I don't know if you remember a couple of years yes. ago.
0: Yes, I do. That's why I wanted to bring it up. I'll, um, do you, do you have like a website and everything that people can check out? Cause I'll, I'll put a link for that in the description.
1: Oh sick. Yeah, it's uh, peppermillstudios.net, not .com was taken. Uh .net, uh, just pepper, the word pepper and the word mill, just all as one word, just exactly how it sounds.
0: Yes. So, everybody hit Anthony up to get your reasonably priced drum recordings and tracking otherwise, you know, all of it. Yeah. So, percent cool. Do you do do you do mixing and mastering um, you know, of other of other musicians? Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's one of those like kind of full service deals. Like if you want to come in and, and track, get, you know, get, track mix and master everything here, we can do that. Um, you know, because everything's kind of remote. And like you said, lots of people are recording at home now. I'll just like, you know, Hey, you send me your stuff, I'll mix and master it for you. You know, it's one of those things. Um, but with a lot of that, which is kind of interesting is, uh, building like trust when you like basically cold call clients, you know, and just say like, Hey, you don't know me, but I'll mix your stuff for $300. It's like if someone told me that I'd tell them to piss off, you know. So yeah. it's it's a strange like line that you got to toe of like I you know, you got to pay me for it, but at the same time like I'll do all these extra things for you or like maybe I'll do this for free a little bit and give you a test mix that's 70% done. Then if you like it, then I'll really do it, you know, for real and then you will give me the money for it. Which then, you know, you're sacrificing your time and it's a bit of a gamble. If they decide to hate it, then, you know, there goes all that work. It's, it's, it's really, really, you know, it's weird. But, you know, at the same time, if you're confident and if you're good at what you do, then, you know, you can feel confident saying like, yeah, I'll do these free things for you. And if you like it, you know, we can continue. And then, you know, full way, like, oh, they'll like it. You know, I'm I'm better than everyone else. It's fine. Which (laughs) it's an interesting, like, attitude that you kind of have to take. Cause you know, if, if you're a band and you've, you know, spent months writing and recording this stuff and your heart and your soul is in the thing. And then a, a mixer guy hits you up and he says, Hey, I will mix it for you. But he's like all Tim. And he's like, well, I mean, if you like it, you know, it's, we can use it. And like, I'll try these things. Like, nah, dude, that would scare him. Well, you gotta be like, dude, this shit's yeah. going to slam. It's going to be better than anyone else you could go to just trust me. You know, I'd be like, I want that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And then also to deliver on that promise
1: too, Yeah. um, Yeah. (laughs) You got to back it up. You can't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So something similar kind of happened to me with my band when we were recording is that the person who recorded us was going to do the mixing and mastering. And I kind of set some expectations. I was like, I don't want it to sound like it's overproduced, you know, but I want it to sound good. And, uh, I wasn't really getting the, uh, content that i really wanted right i I didn't feel like i was getting like the sound that i was looking for right and then literally a guy sends me a message like you're saying and he's like hey so i'm going through these classes in in uh college on engineering uh musical engineering and and it's like um i will mix your stuff for you uh and then he drops like this insane low price and i was like well what have i got to lose i mean you know it's not I'm not losing a whole lot out of that, and it ended up sounding great. And I was like, "Wow, okay, cool." So then I hit him up again, and I was like, "Hey, so uh, I got some songs that are starting to come." And he's like, "Yeah, you're going to be paying a lot more now." Mm-hmm. And I was <laughs> like, I "Well, okay, well, can't you give me some kind of deal?" Because I was one of the very first people. Like, I got you into this. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. No. That's that's what you got to do, man. Like, especially when you're you know working with somebody you've never even met before. Uh, you, 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 gotta, you gotta throw them a bone. You gotta do, do something to get them to come in. And then once they see the thing that you can do, then they're, you know, then they're hooked. And then, then you can start to like, okay, well, this is what I actually charged to do, but you know, you'll get the same things before all that stuff. Um, and that's what I did with, uh, when I toured with, uh, sleep signals, actually, I filled in on base, uh, for a couple tours with those guys and just every band that we met on that tour, I was like, Hey, I had, you know, my business card in my hand. I was like, Hey, so I, I you know, I record and, and mix bands and stuff, you know, hit me up if you want. And a couple of them did. And I was like, hey, I'll do the first mix for you for free and gave it to them. And they came back a couple months later and they say, Hey, we've got an album for you. And then, you know, there's a couple grand in the bank right there. So it works, you know, you just got to kind of put in the time up front and, and build that trust with, with everybody. And then, it, you know, you kind of foster these long lasting relationships.
2: That's quite the hustle right there too. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. Got to be on top of it. But also, uh, you know, that's one thing we talk about a lot is the networking portion of it. You know, it's, it's a little bit more than just being good at what you do. You have to have like a wide network of people that know that you're good at what you do. And you have to build that constantly build that. So and it it sounds like yeah that's that's part of your hustle so that's awesome
1: yeah man just go out and make friends no i like a lot of the time you can just approach people with not even thinking about like your business you just like approach people because you just want to make friends and then you make friends and after you know three hours of bullshit and you're like oh yeah by the way you know i have this like you can kind of throw it in passing i got yeah i've got the studio like here you know check it out if you want and that's it you know and and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that, that guy was pretty cool. This, we should see what he does. And then they, you know, and then it kind of works because now they know who you are and they trust you as a person. So they're more inclined to want to work with you because you're not some shithead or something like that. You
2: know, <laughs> A lot of people don't understand the value of a first impression. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that is a, a really big deal. It It does matter a lot, especially in this music industry. You know, you, you go meet somebody and you think they're a total douchebag. You're not going to want to work with them. But if you meet somebody and they're really, really cool. And, you know, you've, you've got a lot of rapport there. You're obviously going to be like, you know what? That's always in the back of your head. It's like, Oh, that, I remember that guy said he could do that, but right. you're only going to ever remember the other guy as a douchebag. So.
0: Uh, yeah. Pretty much. And that's what happened to me. Uh, recently I went to, I went to a show. Um, one of my, you know, buddies was in one of the bands that was touring and, Uh, One of the opening bands was, uh, you know, somebody who had like a decent amount of momentum, decent amount of clout. And I was like, it's going to be really cool to see this band. I haven't seen them before, uh, but I've heard a lot about them and they're all DIY, no label, nothing like that. And so it'll be cool to see how they present themselves and the show that they put on because it's completely them doing everything. You know, maybe they have a little bit of a a team built around that, but it's not like the record label kind of team. And I was disappointed because, like you said, the uh, lead singer was, uh, well, he kind of just brushed me off, Mm. you know. And, you know, I was just a guy coming up to the merch table, you know, buying a T-shirt and passing saying, hey, I want to talk to you, you know, got a podcast. It would be cool to talk to you on the podcast about this and that and just brush me off and and that was that. And uh, yeah, I don't don't understand like as a musician how you can do that because if the entirety of your passion in creating music is just to be seen and to have people say that they like you and then not do anything beyond that, then it's just going to you know there's there's a certain level of connection that you know the the best musicians want that they're trying to say something with their music and if somebody's telling you that they really connect with it then why brush them off you know that kind of thing i don't, I don't know I, I that was kind of a long-winded thing about uh, some band that i just saw but it, it is really disheartening when you come up to a band a, and, and get that kind of treatment, you know?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of people definitely can get either, either they either get jaded with it. They're like, you know, you get after you know the two hundredth person coming up. Oh, you know, oh my god, great job, whatever. You're like, what? You know, shut up. I've heard all this before. You know, you <laughs> could potentially see it that way. Not that I, I definitely don't. But you know, I can see how you, you know, you might fall into that mindset. But on the other hand, you know, if if you if you hit that, whatever that level is where you become like famous, then you do, you kind of get a little bit of that superiority complex. And and then when a musician lower than you comes up and says, hey, I've got this, you know, like he's, I've got this podcast I want you to be on. You like, why would I waste my time? You, you know, <laughs> that's probably what went through his mind, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. It's weird. I definitely don't, don't see how that could ever happen personally, but you know, it happens to people, I suppose. Uh, but like, I actually experienced a lot of that firsthand uh, when I was doing the Italy tour, not to come back to like, Oh, we did Italy and stuff. But <laughs> but one, one know, thing please, that was really please. interesting, <laughs> uh, what I, what I saw was um, like every show, there was some like, uh, online magazine reporters and stuff there. And they were, you know, writing articles on the show because, um, it was kind of a big event because Yngwie Malmsteen hadn't been to Europe in like 15 years, something like that. So it's been a long, long time. So there was some serious hype behind a lot of this. And so, you know, there were reporters and stuff out in force for that. And we read all these articles because, you know, we were, we got a little, a little blurb in, you know, in the article as well, because we were the opener. And every single one of them, without fail, it was very interesting. Kind of what we did and what you do as the opener, at least here in the States, is you play your show, you do your thing, you pack your gear out, and then you just go hang out in the crowd. You hang out by the merch table at the, you know, at the exit door. You just, you just, you're just out there. This was apparently a weird thing for the European people. Um, Every single one of these professional articles, felt the need to mention how cool it was that we were just out in the crowd hanging out with people after the show. It was super weird. So even just the fact that we were there and, you know, obviously we're, you know, talking and laughing with everybody that came up and wanted to say something was like a huge deal that apparently they don't do over there. Or maybe they didn't expect because we were with Malmsteen's crew and he's got the, you know, the, he's known for, for, not doing that you know i don't being know it was it was really interesting but definitely saw the other side of that where just kind of without trying and just kind of being ourselves and being weird and stupid and approachable everyone was <laughs> thrown for a loop that like we could just go talk to these guys you know so it yeah definitely works you know we made a, a ton of fans just because we were out there and they were able to come up to us and you know they come up a little scared and you know, shake the hands and then you just act dumber than them. And then they start to loosen up like, oh, these, you know, these guys are actually kind of cool. Maybe I'll go follow them on Spotify or something, you know?
2: Yeah. Never yeah. underestimate the power of uh, first impressions. hundred yeah. yeah, percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Even and if they don't like your music, sometimes they'll just go and give you a like and listen to your stuff anyways, because they're mm-hmm. like, you're a good person. I want yep. to support you.
0: Yeah, see, and I can understand there's a certain mystique of the inaccessibility, you know, of a certain musician, you know, if if you go and see a band and you're not like able to approach them, then it sets this whole bar above you and you kind of put that band on a pedestal. So I kind of understand that to a point and you know a a, a lot of times when a band gets to a certain level that's almost necessary because Otherwise, you would just be flooded with people. And right. that's just, just kind of how it happens. You know, the, the broader your audience, you know, the more that would become an issue. And then just to kind of have that mystique added into it. But whenever you do meet people, you know, just be yourself. Be a good person, you know. And that definitely makes so much difference just when people realize like I just watched this person up on stage and they were, you know, they put on a really good show and I had a really good time and then they come down and they're a person just like me, just a person it's, you know, it's inspiring to people mm-hmm. and, and it changes their views about a lot of different things. And you, you kind of want to be that person.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. So. And it, you can even take it a step further too. And, um, you can ask them about their, you know, what do they like to do? And then, you know and then you can kind of coax them to start talking about themselves and then you don't have to tell the same story you've told a hundred times you know how how are you liking you know this city and you know what you know what's all this like and you know after the 20th time oh the city's you know awesome it's really cool you know you just kind of like tell someone talk about something different you know and so that that's kind of helpful too it's kind of nice but um, that's really cool
0: it's it's like you're genuinely excited to hear about their experiences, and they're genuinely mm-hmm. excited to tell them, because of the way that whole dynamic works. And I just, I, I think there needs to be more of that, <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> that really that really brings the the audience, the the fans closer to the musicians in a way that makes the whole thing worth it for both parties. I mean, that's great.
1: Yep, pretty much.
0: Yeah. So, um, at this point, I think we want to talk a little bit about, let's see, what's your craziest tour experience?
1: Uh, oh God, I, that's a good one, isn't it? Um, I, I, I don't want to keep coming back to the tour I just went on, but like that shit was crazy. Um, <laughs> just because of how eccentric Malmsteen is and the crazy (laughs) stipulations that were put on us. Like it's, it's, it's so hard to describe in words and I need to do it in a way that doesn't slander him, but it's going to seem, it's going to seem a little slanderous when I, when I say these things, just take that with a grain of salt. Um, so like 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 I said, when when you tour with Malmstein, you can't touch his gear, you can't be in his way. Don't you know? D- when it, when he's sound checking, you got to get out the building. Well, he ended up taking it a step further about halfway through the tour. Um, and like just as an aside, we kind of thought we had a little conspiracy going, like, little put the little tin hat on and said we thought that every show he was trying to make it a little bit harder for us as the opener oh, okay. band to. Yeah, it just and it, it kind of seemed like that was a thing he was doing as we went along. Uh, the reason I say that is because about halfway through, he decided he didn't even like seeing our gear staged while he was sound checking. So he just straight up banned us from even coming into the venue until it was time for us to load up and sound check. Which, again, like I was saying before, kind of means you know if he sound checks for four and a half hours and doors are open and there's a thousand people in the venue, somehow. You've got to load your shit in, get it out the cases, set up, put up, mic'd up, run the monitors, run a sound check in like 40 minutes. It's just not going to happen. So we were in Padua, Italy, uh, and it was at this giant venue. It was just just floor. There was nothing, nothing there. There were like no doors except for the front door coming into the venue and then you'd have to run through the whole building to get up to the stage. And then there was a small door behind the stage, but the green rooms were back there. We're not allowed in the green rooms. We can't use that door because it's got to go through the green rooms. No, no, no. Um, so we had to, we were going to have to load our stuff in through the front door. And at this point there's, you know, lines of hundreds of people going like around the block and it's freaking nuts. And so what we decided to do, here's the crazy. here's the story, I finally got there. What we what we did was if you if you snuck in the door on the very right because there's like you know four or five doors that all open if you snuck in the door on the right there's you could literally like sidle along the wall and and he you could not see Ingve from the stage while he's sound checking so <laughs> what we did is we snuck our gear through this door. Like, like, little piece at a time, like sneaking along the wall, and we stashed it in this little corner where he couldn't see us. And we were like all sneaking around because if he hears you, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna. It's like, it's straight up like shit out of like Metal Gear Solid or something. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: That's what I'm thinking. And yeah. like,
1: okay, I'm not shitting you. This is not a joke. We like, we kind of we got all our stuff in there and we kind of had half of it out of the cases and. You know, they're like big boat size cases. They're, you know, they're, they're like human size. They're pretty big. And we're, uh, we're like kind of doing our thing and being silent. And we hear uh, the bass player, his name was Emilio. And he, he, uh, he's talking to the sound guy and he goes, "Uh, Maestro wants to come out and take a look at the stage from the back. And Maestro is what, what they call Malmsteen. That's like kind of, that's, that's, that's what they call him. And so we're like, what did he say? Is he coming? Is he coming back here? Like he wanted he wanted to like walk out there and turn on see on the stages. So we like and no shit, we all jumped into the cases and we like hid. <laughs> <laughs> no sh- I'm not shitting you. This is what we did. We all like hit or like we were crouched down in the corner, like one of us was like behind one of the trees, like you know, doing that kind of shit. And Jazz then we just waited.
2: Too. You know, <laughs> <too>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and he he came out and he like did his thing and you could like kind of peek through the cracks and kind of see him and you know, like, okay, is he done? And and then he went back on a stage and we all popped out and continued doing our thing. That was weird and super nerve wracking. Cause like, mm. can you just, just like imagine like this guy, he just like walks back and he like just decides to peek in. And then there's me just like, hey.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what what would happen?
2: You know what I mean? he would be like, what are you transporting in there?
1: right i I don't people. jesus yeah people i'm i'm the amplifier go away
0: <laughs> this, is, this is not the gear you're looking for <laughs>
1: dude, straight up so that was oh, yeah crazy. i'd say that was the most crazy thing that i've ever done
0: wow that is uh yeah it, that sets a whole new bar hiding in uh hiding in road cases <laughs> <Yeah. Yngwie. laughs> that's crazy oh, yeah dude man. That's a, that's a good story um, so uh you you've done quite a bit of uh touring in the past uh it's my understanding but uh were there any points of time where you had uh you know had you had the band and everything and your side hustle might have been something different then or did you get into mechanical engineering before band?
1: So yeah, it was kind of an interesting um interesting progression for me. And actually, Grant, the uh, you know guy you've had on a little while ago, had quite a bit to do with it. Interestingly enough, so um, kind of right when I got into the music thing, like when I knew, like, okay, this is this is the thing I'm going to do, I was 21 and I was just getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's. And um, before that, I was in the same band, but we were just kind of you know, we were, we were small children, you know, didn't have any money. We still live, you know, with the parents thing. You just do the weekend gig every now and again. And it's, it's cool. You know, that, that, that was all it was. Um, and it just so happened that one of these, uh, gigs that we did, we were opening for this, this band called within sight. And within sight was the band that grant had, uh, many years ago now, Jesus. Yeah. Many years ago now. Um, and we ended up opening for them, and they were from Vancouver, Washington. so about three hours south of me, and it just weirdly through social media connections, I saw that they were looking for a guitar player. They needed, you know, they needed like a lead guitar player, and so I just was like, eh, yeah, I'll reach out. Maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll get the gig or something. It'd be cool. So I hit Grant up and was like, hey, you know, if you need somebody, I'm, I'm your man. And basically he hit me back up in like April and I was due to graduate. And then, no, no, he hit me up in like January, February, some, something like that. And I was due to graduate in May. And he's like, Hey, we've got this tour booked. Uh, do you want to go? And, and, you know, me like never been on tour before. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And he said, okay, we're going in April. i was like, Oh, I can't go in April. I have to give my senior design project presentation. You know, the big, the culminating thing you've been working all year on. I can't miss that. And so he goes, Oh, all right, well, when can you go? And I said May, and he goes, "All right." And he rebooked the entire tour for May just to accommodate me. So, I basically graduated and went on tour with a metal band, and <laughs> that was when I was like, "Oh, this is sick. I'm I'm doing this now." And so, basically ever since I had started my, you know, corporate gig, I've just been secretly looking for a way out of it. You <laughs> know what I mean? Cuz Right. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, um, I haven't re- didn't really have a side hustle before the day job, uh, you know, except for a couple other small things here and there, but, um, cause, cause I wasn't really trying to pursue the music thing until I had the job. And at that point, you know, the money wasn't really an object at that point. It was just, how can I get the free time to do what I'm trying to do? So, so yeah, the situation has been the same for about five years, um i've I've been at my job for about five years and it's only been relatively recently that it's been like oh, okay i need to tour with this band and this band and this band and really trying to like okay i really need to get out of here or figure something out because all these opportunities are going to start passing me by if if i have to start saying no mm-hmm. um so yeah so yeah that's been that's been my journey so far
0: yeah i feel like uh A lot of times that is kind of the inverse of what uh, most people experience when they're wanting to get into music is, you know, they start with the music and then try and, you know, get different jobs uh, to try and supplement that. But there have been quite a few people like yourself who have that good paying job and want to do music. And so you're kind of trying to transition. So I think I think that's something that a lot of people can kind of kind of relate to on on some level people who get to uh, a point where they're working a job and they kind of realize that music is what they want to do instead so
1: right yeah it's it's interesting you know like um i've always been a just a big giant awkward nerd right and so all through school i s- had surrounded myself with other big giant awkward nerds which basically meant you know they were obviously not musicians. And they were like, you know, I'm going to be a lawyer and go to Harvard or I'm going to, you know, be an astrophysicist or, you know, the crazy, the crazy, you know, guys that want to go get their PhDs and then their postdoctorates and all that madness stuff. So the whole, like, I guess I could say that the whole concept of the, the taking the vow of poverty to do music thing was never an idea that I had been exposed to. Until I toured with that metal band full of dudes that had taken the vow of poverty and they were just like working construction gigs or whatever and just barely making ends meet, but they were doing the tour thing. So it was was really like once I had committed to this particular life path that it was like, oh, you could have done all of these other things. But at that point, I'm committed. I've already been in school for, you know, five years for this, like not about to throw that away. So... You know, let's figure something out.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very intelligent way to do that because you don't want to waste all of that time and effort you put into something that, you know, created a a good
2: career for you. So And school's yeah. expensive. Yes, yes, I, it is.
1: I got lucky. I got super lucky. I got a full ride. Wow. Oh. So awesome. yeah, I didn't didn't graduate with any student loans. Uh the first two years I did community college. Uh, so I was, you know, it was beans compared to, you know, the last two years of university, but there was like this, this really strange, eclectic, like scholarship that was open to anybody, but nobody knew about. So I applied and I think it was like the only one. And so I won and it was basically full ride for the last two years.
2: And um, was actually but, a few of those that I found.
1: It was, found it about. was really weird. Yeah. Like. It almost felt undeserved, but I was like, "I'll take it." Like yeah. you know,
2: <laughs> take that, non nerds. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. To yeah.
1: so imagine playing sports, I know, <laughs> right, <laughs> dude.
2: <laughs> so I'm I'm curious. What was one of your best experiences you've ever had while on tour?
1: Honestly, um, I think. I, w- I would have to say it would be the tour that like opened me up as a person. Cause like I said before, big, giant, awkward nerd, you know, very timid, the world scared me. And then I went on tour with this big metal band. And at the time I had never touched alcohol, never done, done the weed, never done anything. I was, I was vanilla child. Right. And then I went on tour with, with Sight, that first tour right after I graduated and I will never forget this this is this moment lives in my brain forever, and I tell this story every chance that I can. But Grant, big, big, giant redhead guy, uh, we're in the the parking lot of a Walmart in Yakima, Washington, which is like dead center of the state. As band and street. Grant goes walks in to, and this is before he was sober, uh, and he comes out with like a thirty rack of Coors Light or something, you know, just like the worst beer you could possibly get. <laughs> and he he goes into the band trailer and he starts loading up the cooler with it. And it's, it's August or or something. Or It's it's hot. It's hot as shit outside. And so he comes out with like 10, 10 of these beers in his arms. And he's like, all right, boys, there's not enough room in the trailer. Everyone's got to slam two of these right now. And he hands me two <laughs> beers, and I've never held a beer can in my life. Everyone around me, they're doing their Oktoberfest poses and slamming it. And it's like okay and i did the thing and i tasted it it was disgusting but i I gotta i gotta hang with these guys they gotta be cool you know and so i ended up do i i did it i did the thing Um, pressure's real i I mean i didn't really feel peer pressure it was just more like i've got to do this i've got to be one of the boys you know and they found out a couple days later that had been my first alcohol ever and they felt so (laughs) bad for the rest of the tour you know and
0: no, I can imagine. I can imagine oh, them yeah, feeling yeah. a little guilty about that after the fact. I
1: mean, I, I was fine with it. It was funny, um, you know. And and from there, you know, they kind of had me taste my first whiskey, and you know, kind of just just be cool, and you know, and kind of ease me into it. They, you know, after that, they weren't just like, we're "Just slam this whole fifth of Jack Daniels and see what happens, bro." <laughs> like
2: that That's probably right. would have been a terrible <laughs>
1: experience. So drink I was a fifth of vodka, lucky. Dare me to drive? Yeah, no joke. <laughs> So I was definitely lucky that like, even though, you know, the guys were, they, they like to party and, you know, like all metal musicians they're you know, they would be crazy when, you know, when the situation called for it, but when it came to me, they were, they were super chill, you know, and they, so, so that was, I'd say probably like one of the highlights was just like, not feeling like I was going to die when, (laughs) If the situation were different, the people's personality were very different, I could have very well just like gotten a taste of it. Like, wow, this sucks. And then had just called it, you know, Mm. but I think because that experience was so number one, it was so, you know, good and and nice and not scary. But uh, the other thing, it did open me up quite a bit to like, this is what life is. You don't have to just study books, you nerd. You know, it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. You know, maybe I could, you know, do this more often.
2: You came back from tour, and you were an alcoholic and yeah. worshiped the devil. <laughs> Who yeah, is this 100%. Anthony? We have That's no idea where he went. He went on tour, and now it's a shell of a man. Yeah, Every, mother's <laughs> Every mother's worst nightmare. Every mother's worst nightmare.
0: all right. Well, I feel like it is time for Andrew to ask you our very, very final question.
2: It's very important. It's a very, very important question, and it requires a lot of thought. And uh, it's it's very, very important for all band people to know, do you prefer waffles or pancakes?
1: I was ready. I was like, this is going to be not a deep question. I was ready for it. I've learned.
2: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Oh, God. I mean... It's not that hard of a question. Come on. It is. It is.
1: <laughs> it is. We're getting philosophical here. All right. Give me a minute.
0: Okay. Here we go.
1: <laughs> no, I think I got to lean towards the pancakes because okay. if you ever have put sausage wrapped in pancake, pigs in a blanket, do it. Best is best.
0: Oh, yeah, Can't that go wrong. pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, and put a sister and make a corn dog with the. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Right? Cake. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right, but let me ask you this. Have you ever taken a waffle and made a taco and put a a chicken strip in there with a little bit of butter and maple syrup and some hot sauce? Chicken waffle I have taco? Not,
1: and I'm disappointed. No, <laughs> I haven't done that. <laughs> All
0: right, so the jury's out on the pancake question.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's biased, doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. so,
0: so when I was so the- yeah, the overwhelming response normally is for waffles. And, yeah. Uh, ah, that's, okay. but, you know, pancakes are great. So Being the odd man out, now. right? That's fine. It's, why not? You're choosing between two great things. So if you choose pancakes, you're wrong, but you're fine. You know, that's, that's
1: ah, you're <laughs> it's one of those questions. Like, is pineapple, does pineapple belong on pizza? And
2: everyone yeah. thinks no. But I'd say
0: yes. Okay, we're not going to go there.
2: That's too yeah, controversial yeah. We'll for this a podcast. <laughs> We, we we also don't have time for it. I mean that's that's just that's just a whole other
1: yeah. We would leave it's the podcast not being friends anymore.
2: No <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Pineapple, no
0: pineapple. We're just talking about breakfast here. Let's get started at breakfast. First meal of the day. You know, that's what we that's what we like. We like keeping As it Ben's- easy. As Ben's do. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, Anthony, thank you so much for being on and we really appreciate listening to your insight and everything, like I said, we're going to drop links to all of your different uh, projects that you've got going on. So once again, we appreciate you being on. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Make sure you like and rate and review and you know do all the stuff that promotes the podcast and gets it into the algorithm so that we get uh, a lot more views, so that Anthony's wisdom can be spread to more people. So, except with that the being said, stuff. except for <laughs> the pancake stuff, we'll cut that off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that being said, I'm Cody.
2: I'm Andrew. And I'm Anthony. And, well,
0: Anthony. We will hey. see you guys next time. Thank you. <laughs>